Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, your local YA tipsy book podcast. Woohoo! So exciting. I feel like we've been delaying all of our recordings so much over the last couple of weeks, Julia. It's always so nice when we can be back together again. I know. I know. I've missed you. Oh, I feel like, too, like, the end of summer, beginning of fall is such a hard time on like everyone like with your situation you have someone to look after now who's starting school i'm trying to transition back into class mode which is Mm -hmm. mentally taxing and yeah it's a tough time of the year it is so you know what good on us for just making us through this is true and we will be recording for a whole year in like a couple months i think so yeah november is like the or actually, late October was when we first started recording, oh. and I think November fourth was our first episode, day after election day. Oh my god, that's impressive! <laughs> Look at us. We'll do something special for our one year anniversary. We should. Yeah, definitely. Um, how are you doing, Julia? What are you drinking tonight? I'm doing well. I'm having a gin and tonic. Classic. Classic. Um, cause I'm at my parents' house and it's just the easiest thing to make mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever I'm there. Um, I'm doing well though. I spent the weekend with my mommy. Um, we made mooncakes. We watched a couple movies. I saw the new Cruella movie finally since it's now free on Disney Plus. How was um, it? It's like, I'm very conflicted. I don't think I disliked it, and I didn't love it either. Um, Emma Stone is, like, crazy good in it, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. She does a great job being a villain. Um, I do She's got those know. crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, she holds herself in a way that feels very, like, she obviously, like, it's a villain origin story, right? So she has her soft side, and she has her villainous side. Mm-hmm. Um, and she holds herself in a way that, like, you can see once when she switches from one to the other, and it's, like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it revolves around, like, British pop-punk fashion, um, which I hold near and dear to my heart. I, like, had an obsession with it a while ago. And I feel like it's just kind of, like, it's weird because they clearly spent a lot of time on the clothes because it revolves around fashion. But right. there's very little focus on the clothes, save for, like, a couple scenes where they highlight some um, of the creations that come out of it. So I was kind of, like, bummed that they didn't, I don't know, somehow spend more time on the clothes when, like, yeah. the entire movie is, like, Cruella and clothing. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I will say about it. I'm not gonna, uh... I mean, it's, like, how much can I spoil, right? Like, we all know... We know her. She eventually faces a demise. We get there. <laughs> there is like a big plot twist, but um, I don't like you kind of figure it out partway through the movie mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're looking carefully. So I don't think it's like yeah. Right. But well, yeah, and it's though, not. It's not like Maleficent, where like yeah. they just do something completely different with her character than what she actually is in Disney lore. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some of the weird things that they put in there that I was not expecting for Cruella. Um, and I'm not entirely sure. Like, it seems like they left it open for a sequel. I would be very surprised if they made a sequel. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, like, entirely sure how they get from that origin story to the Cruella that we know. That part is kind of... So that's what I'm assuming would be in a sequel. 
But like again, like I don't feel like they're gonna make it a sequel. I don't that know. That seems unnecessary. One hundred and one Dalmatians is not as like revered as I feel like no. Sleeping Beauty is. So, well, I used to be obsessed with the live action one. Um, I don't remember. It must have like nineteen ninety six or something. I that I had a time period in my life where I was obsessed with black and white fashion, and I'm pretty sure it's because of that movie. Terrible, like origin for me to have an obsession with black and white fashion but um like the clothing in that movie was so cool and i think maybe that's where my criticism comes in for this movie is like that movie did such a cool job with the clothes Mm. i don't know but there's some cool like there's like heist in cruella which remind me so much of a six of crows (laughs) love it gang of heists heist people i loved it anyway that's my weekend how was yours what are you drinking um, I'm drinking a rosé cider. It's Love really it. exciting. Um, <laughs> my weekend was just really busy. It was homecoming this weekend, so we spent a lot of time getting ready for the dance and doing lots of prep so and shopping and everything. You've seen pictures of Skyla on Instagram. She looked so pretty. Um, uh, she had such a good time. She went into the dance feeling so confident, and I was so happy for her. So she looked um, confident in those photos, like you, mm-hmm. if you could tell. Yeah, That's no, always it was nice. It was perfect. So, and then we just had kind of like a lazy day today. Um, just in kind of, she got a little bit of homework done. I did some reading. We've done laundry and chores, a little bit, but nothing like crazy intense because I think we were both just like exhausted from how much the weekend was like it was just like a lot of energy and effort so uh made it through busy work week ahead kicking off my new project uh and not quite yet wrapping up my other (laughs) projects I'll be kind of like double staffed um for Uh the next couple weeks which is worrisome I know they literally they had me pick up some testing um like later or like middle of middle of last week and I found something, like, the night I started doing the testing. So I, like, sent out follow-up questions and trying to, like, get it done as quick as possible. But no one was, like, responded to me on Friday when I sent out my follow-up questions. And they were like, we're so glad we put you on the case, Chantel, to, like, look into this. And I'm like, if I found another issue, I'm going to be so mad because I don't have time for this right now. But it'll all, it'll all work itself out. And I'm just trying to do a lot of reading in the meantime. Yeah. You are doing a lot of reading in the meantime. I know. I'm excited. It's been, I've, I've like, been invigorated. Like, I'm just really excited to read everything that I have. It's kind of, it's almost getting to the point where, like, I just consistently want to, like, pull down different books from my shelf and, like, start all these other books. And I'm like, no, you need to finish. Like, the two that you have started, do not start anything new. Chill out. So I'm going to force myself to finish Dance of Thieves before I start another fantasy novel um which I'm like aching aching to start but it's so funny because I feel like we have like the opposite problems where you're like I want to start every book that I can and I'm like I can't start like once I'm in the book like I'm reading the Sally Rudy book right now Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to stop reading it to like pace myself yeah but getting into it in the first place is so hard for me like I just can't I don't know why and it's any book so it's interesting. It was really like that for me when I started reading. Um, well, not like that, but like where I was struggling to like 
want to come back to the book and I kept wanting to pick up other things when I started reading Tokyo Ever After because I feel like the first like 40-50% of that book I was just like dragging. I was like, oh, this feels so YA. It feels so derivative of the Princess Diaries. Like, like there are parts of it that are really nice and like funny and cute, but I'm just, I was like dragging. And then I read Love Hypothesis and kind of like cleared my mind and focused on something else. And then I came back to Tokyo ever after like this morning and I devoured the rest of the book and was like in love with it. Like when I was first reading it, I was like, mm, I have a feeling this is going to be a three or three and a half star book for me. And I ended up rating it for, like I said, like 4.25 stars by the time I was finished. So it had a huge upgrade um, once I was actually able to like clear my head and find some time to relate to the characters and the book just got like better too in the second half but um yeah I and I think that's my problem sometimes is like I'll I'll be excited to start a bunch of books because I've heard really good things but then like if I'm not instantly into it in like the first couple of chapters I lose interest and I want to try something else which is like not an effective way to read at all nope (laughs) But luckily, we don't have the opportunity to do that with this podcast. So we're stuck with August and Kate. I'm glad that we are. We are on their into journey. so much action. I know. It's finally, it's getting really intense. It is. It's kind of crazy. Are, when we're, how far into the book are we? I haven't actually looked. Oh, because you've been reading online or on yeah. digital. We are, Um, I don't know, I would say like. Three fourths oh, of the way through. Into it. Yeah, yeah, we're like three fourths of the way through. Okay. Yeah, between between two thirds and three fourths. Nice. I'm not very good at breaking my books into fractions. <laughs> I feel like it's a little. It's almost like a little more than three fourths, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. Anyway, should we talk about all this action, Julia? Yes, we should. Do Shall you... I do a summary? Yes, please kick us off. Okay, so verse 3, chapter 3. August and Kate start climbing into the tunnels because that's where the Corsi live, and the Malkai hate the Corsi. August expresses Sunai hates them too, and Kate reminds him it's his choice to come, though she's glad he does. The tunnel has no lights, barely any colors leaking out from the red lights in the tunnel. They aren't on solid floor, but rather standing over an underground river. Kate has a light out and swings it around because they hear the whispers of the Corsi. Kate tells them she's the daughter of Callum Harker, but that doesn't seem to bother them. August makes, makes to get his violin because his playing will send them away. He gets himself set up and Kate is getting more nervous because the Corsi are rolling, closing in, rolling, <laughs> they're rolling in on wheels. I'm, well, no, they're, it's like a rolling darkness, you know? True, true. Rolling tide. And her flashlight isn't doing enough, though she manages to hit one Corsi in the head. She feels the darkness closing in, and then he plays a note and everything stops. As he continues to play, the Corsi back away and start to fall away, and Kate feels her thoughts drifting. She also says she sees the music like little light rays. She feels dizzy and looks down and sees her soul coming to the surface, saying it looks like silver and smoke. August tells her to come along and reaches for her, but she tries to pull away, thinking he is going to steal her soul. He tells her he cannot hurt her, 
keyword cannot, but that she needs to stay close to him, having her grab his coat so he can continue playing and walking. They keep walking through the subway tunnels, heading northeast, and Kate has lost all sense of time and autonomy. She has no idea if she, had, if she said words or if August heard her if she did. She also recognizes that this version of August is completely different. He is confident and compelling. But then his strings start to break, which makes the song weaker. She says his name in warning because she can feel the music hold breaking, and he tells her he needs all four strings and normally doesn't play that long. They start to hear the corsi come back with scratching, and right before the third string breaks, he tells her to run. Verse 3, Chapter 4. They start running through the tunnels, the light from the music dissolving behind them. They, they reach a subway car and jump at it, with August covering Kate's body in full so the corsi cannot touch her. Kate turns in his arms and forces the door closed and collapses onto a bench and admits this was the worst plan ever. Self-awareness. A little late, but... Yeah. <laughs> For her, that's, like, a very big... It is, that's true. August grabs his violin, wincing at the scratch on it, and starts to replace the strings. She asks why he plays the violin, and he tells her that they are each born with a specific song, and there's a specific instrument that they use to play the, that song. The Leo is the exception. Kate asks what August meant that he couldn't hurt her because that is different from wouldn't, letting him know she has seen Leo reap souls. He tells her he can only take the souls of those who have hurt others who have read souls. She doesn't understand, and he tells her her shadow doesn't have a life of its own. Doesn't really clear it up. <laughs> no. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> then she asks about his tallies, what they really mean, and he tells her it's days. Then she turns the flashlight off so the light doesn't burn out. He sits and notes he felt the latest tally getting added, telling her it was 422 days since he last fell. Then he tries to explain what going dark is, that is when Sunai stop feeding, cannot tell the difference between good and bad, and just kill everything. What he doesn't say is that every time they go dark, a piece of them doesn't come back. She asks what it looks like, but he doesn't know, and confirms he would rather die than have it happen again, and tells her it has happened twice. She asks about the last time he went dark, and he hesitates because he has never talked about it. He didn't know how to talk to Henry and Emily or Ilsa. He tells her he stopped eating because he didn't want to feel like a monster anymore and just walked out and started wandering. He started heading back and a fight broke out and he was so famished and went dark, feeling like a black hole, something that couldn't be filled regardless of the death count. He never wants to face that again. He looks over at Kate because she's gone quiet and she is slumped over, her arm move, her arm and is covered in blood. Verse 3, Chapter 5. <laughs> August says her name, grabbing her face, and she murmurs a little, but starts to go under again. He, pr he presses on the wound, and she wakes up and kicks him in the chest. He asks why she didn't say anything, and she doesn't really answer, so he grabs the flashlight to look, and her stomach is covered in blood. She says she'll be okay, but is obviously wrong. He leans her back, pulls her shirt up, which makes her curse. She has deep claw marks and has lost a lot of blood. He starts to pull fabric to try and patch her up, and she tells him he is a shitty monster. He asks where she is, and she says on a lake, a place he has never been. So he asks her to describe, trying to keep her awake. She keeps talking about the lake, and he says she needs stitches. 
She makes a sassy comment, and he tells her he needs a suture kit because he can stitch her up. Henry is a surgeon, so he knows how, and she tells him Henry isn't his father, that he is just a monster working for Henry. This pisses August off, and he says Henry is his family, and a better father to him than Harker is to her. Ouch. <laughs> Not wrong. Nope. <laughs> she grumbles at him and asks why he would want to be human anyways, and he says is because they live, because they aren't constantly debating their existence. They don't have to try so hard to be a good person to then be reminded they aren't in person at all. She just stares and he waits for her to speak, but she doesn't. Electricity starts to crack on and Kate is excited, but then August says they have to go because there are security cameras in the car. She pulls herself towards the door and he gets on, he gets it open to the tunnel that now is better lit um, with corsi that have dis- disappeared. He has to catch her, which she almost falls, but she still shrugs him off and she starts to walk. They get to the nearest station and head up the stairs as the, as the station opens, and August puts his arm around her, trying to pretend they are a couple again, though Kate is leaning on him too hard and he is trying to hide the blood. As they get out, August grabs an umbrella for the rain. They are not in the red because they aren't surrounded by big, big buildings, but a little more suburbia. He tells her to stay put with the umbrella and heads towards a pharmacy while washing the blood of his hands in the rain. <laughs> Off his hands in the rain. <laughs> he grabs some money out of his pocket and grabs a bunch of supplies. He wants to call home but is worried of Leo answering or finding out. As he's checking out, the lady tells him there's a clinic down the road because his purchases are very suspicious. He makes up a little story and the lady doesn't seem to care. He turns back to look for Kate, but she's not there, and he starts to panic when he sees the pool of red from where she had been standing. He turns around looking and finally sees her underneath an awning. He told her he thought she had left and she thought about it, but sarcastically replied the stitches with him sound so fun. That is where we end. What a roller coaster. Oh my god. Like, damn. When would she have even gotten... Claude, like, I guess I that's know. the mystery. Yeah, I don't know. I I wonder if it was like supposed to be the Corsai or if it was actually the Malkai. No, it was something I feel that like happened. It, I feel like it has to be the Malkai, and she just hit it really well. She was running off adrenaline. And she probably didn't even feel yeah. it. Exactly. Like, I would not be surprised because I feel like. It sounds like they did a pretty good job of running away from the Corsi. Um, sounds like it. But, I mean, I guess, like, he threw his body over her so they couldn't touch her. But what if, you know, before he got into that position, passed. someone, yeah. yeah, swiped quickly. It's true. It's hard to, hard to judge in the chaos. And I don't really think any of her writing gives us an indication one way or the other. No. Just kind of like a <laughs> random wound that appears. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. That's how all wounds happen. Imagine, like, we just imagine them, and then they're there. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. All right, should we get into the general commentary? Yes, we should. Oh, chapter three. Kate, she's, <laughs> she's such, <laughs> she's such a little cinnamon roll, but, like, with extra spice. Mm-hmm. To a point where it's like you're eating the cinnamon roll and you're like, okay, I like cinnamon, but I don't know that I like this much cinnamon. Like, someone who did the cinnamon challenge 
kind of cinnamon roll. <laughs> because, like, August is trying to help her, and only she would have a sassy, sarcastic response. But, like, she's craving his company and is scared to be alone there, yet she's still just like, rawr, get away from me, <laughs> even though, please don't leave. It's like, oh, she's always hiding her vulnerability, and she needs to just be open with it. It's okay. Yeah. I know it's not I, there yet, but. I personally laughed out loud when she was like, I am the daughter of Calla Parker. <laughs> and I was like, you think that's going to do anything? <laughs> to the shadows? You think the shadows yeah. care? Yeah. <laughs> like they were probably laughing, if anything. They well, and like, it's like, the, the medallions only protect you so far. Like, if you're stupid enough to go to the monster's home territory at night. Literally lair. <laughs> you are not protected. No. Like, at all. Sorry. With a little flashlight. <laughs> Oh my god. At least she killed one, I guess. Not that it matters, because they're a hive mind, and they can probably just, like, spread out and easily, I don't know. Like, there's probably hundreds after them. Killing one doesn't really make a difference. Um, But we did learn that Kate has a clean soul, for sure, in this chapter. Yeah, good for you, Kate. Good news. I mean, you burned down some uh, churches and stuff, and you're still okay. That's not a sin. Property damage is not a sin. Oh, Which I kind of know. like. I like that about Victoria Schwab's life. <laughs> or, like, whole, you know, breakdown of, like, what the sins are that create the different monsters. It's always human-on-human yeah. human sin. It's not human against the system. Um which is nice, because I think sometimes in capitalistic society, we spend a little bit too much time focused on the like, property and the destruction of property rather than the management of human life, and it's what causes mm-hmm. so many problems in today's day and age, so. This is true. Uh, good good uh, social commentary. You know me in this book. Social commentary <laughs> every goddamn chapter. But it's true. Because um, yeah. in the grand scheme of things especially in the world that they're living like lighting a church on fire i understandably that is very upsetting but in comparison to what other people and what monsters have done in their world right not so bad not that big of a deal exactly um i really loved the music scene like when he's description and everything yes oh i like i was like Oh, this is, Victoria is showing off her chops right here. Like, she's getting to play, and she's enjoying it, Uh, and so beautiful in how it was written. Not any plot, really, happening in, like, the whole middle part of chapter three, but that's okay, because we've been having a lot of action, and it was nice to just kind of, like, take a pause for a second and, like, get to have a little bit of a mental break and just have some flowery beautiful writing mm-hmm. and then you get the tension too at the end when the strings start to break and she writes that so well too to the point where like you're still mesmerized by her writing but at the you're starting to feel that tension of like okay one string has broken mm-hmm. now the next one and then we have the third string oh time to go yeah exactly oh it's just so so good um it's the um, sort of thing i would love to hear somebody actually play a song in that scene in like a movie kind of thing 
just to hear it as it starts to kind of die out with the strings like when a string on a violin breaks it makes this little like pling plunking noise mm-hmm. almost like you can like feel that like mm-hmm. w- it would break and like the tension just gets more heavy and oh I mean, yeah again like i would love to see this as a movie <laughs> i know i know why have none of her books become movies yet this seems maybe atrocious. she's like holding on to them I feel like she had to have someone approach her to do a screenplay about at, this. At this point, like, she's very famous, I yeah. feel like. <laughs> Maybe we're biased. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like Addie LaRue is probably going to get turned into a movie before any of her actual fantasy series. Mm. But I think that's because Addie LaRue would make for a really good either movie or just, like, limited series tv show be so good because you could do it like a tour through history because she's 300 years old um and you could do it like a tour through history like each episode her being in a different period and then like have a second season where you like wrap up with like the actual story of the book oh there's so much you could do with that book not what we're talking about today but anyways (laughs) i love that book um Kate mentions, when she's listening to the music, that moment between, like, waking and being asleep where everything's, like, fluid and you can't hold on in either direction. Like, you can't force yourself to fully be asleep anymore, but you also can't quite wake up. And I just, I resonate with that feeling so much. I'm, like, constantly in that state, either right before bed or right in the morning where I'm, like, not asleep but I'm definitely not awake and I have weird like almost lucid dreams of things happening and like sometimes I have conversations with my alarm clock and I like remember them when I like fully wake up but I I have I feel like people are calling me but it's actually just my alarm it's like so weird and I hate it because it's like such a weird feeling so yeah I felt very seen in that moment (laughs) I have that as a note, too. I was like, just call it half lucid dreaming. Because, like, it's true. Like, she, because she still feels like she has some control over what's happening. But at the same time, like, as it goes on, as she says, like, it doesn't at all feel like she's there at the same time. Exactly. Um, which I've never, like, lucid dreamt or tried to. I know that, like, there's tricks that you can do to, like, yeah. get yourself to that state. I don't think, I think it takes me a long time to fall asleep. Um and to wake up but I've never been in that state before I feel like a lot of people are kind of like you where they're like um kind of aware that they're awake but they're still kind of dreaming almost yeah but it's um, definitely not lucid dreaming where like you have control no. over the dream it's like halfway and, like, what's there mm-hmm. exactly um I to your point about like there being tips to like figure out how to lucid dream I'm I'm terrified, terrified of lucid dreamers (laughs) and lucid dreaming. I read this um, thriller novel a couple of years ago, and they just made a Netflix show about it called Behind Her Eyes, I think is what it's called, and it's set in either, like, Edinburgh or London, Um, but there's, like, the whole plot of the book, obviously can't spoil anything because it's a thriller, but, like, the whole plot of the book revolves around lucid dreaming but like you don't quite understand like who's doing it and why and what and like how it all plays out 
and it scared the crap out of me when I read it. I'm like, oh my god, people can control things with their minds. No. <laughs> Tapping out. No, thank you. But I do, I at least resonate with the half feeling. It, like, does kind of scare me. Like, I don't think I could do it anyway because, like, I just, like, if I'm going to fall asleep, I'm going to fall asleep, even if it takes me a while. But, right. like, it it's, like, the same thing. Obviously, very different scenarios, but it's, like, the same thing of, like, hypnosis for me where you're, like, not really in full control yeah. of yourself. Um, I mean, with hypnosis, you're really not in control. But with, like, lucid dreaming, um, you're kind of in control. But it's still that, like... It's like when you get drunk almost. Like, I don't, that's why mm-hmm. I don't like getting drunk. It's like you lose control over at least part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that. I hate that feeling. Like, I need to have control of myself. Same. Yeah, I hate that feeling too. Ugh. We're such I mean, control like, never... freaks. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we really are. Uh, I a Ravenclaw and a Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um,. And then there was just just this one line when I think, like, Kate was just, like, kind of stumbling forward and, like, trying to keep up with August. And Victoria Schwab, she wrote, she couldn't hold on to anything, but she held on to him. And I was just like, oh, yes! My children. speaking? Ah! And physically. <laughs> Yay! Get Double these kids them? together! <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, I loved it. And I'm also... Well, I love... No, okay, keep, keep going. I was gonna say, and I, I just really loved that, um, August, like, finally got a chance to, like, be his true self in this chapter. Yes. Like, he didn't have to worry about pissing someone else off or hurting someone. He just got mm-hmm. to be, and, like, we finally got to see that confidence and that self-assuredness and that just, like, sense of calm and... Not necessarily, he's not, like, domineering, but he could be, like, if he wanted to, and it's just, it's like he's finally brought him whole, his whole self to work, and it's just so nice to get to see him in that element that I really appreciate in this chapter. Agreed. Um, I was gonna add to, like, uh, we get to see them kind of working together, mm-hmm. despite the state that she is in, where she's, like, warning him, like, I can feel that whatever spell I'm under right now is starting to wear yeah. off, just so you know. And he's like, yeah, okay, let's let's run. <laughs> um, so I, I love that we still, even though she's, she's kind of lost control of herself, she's still working hard behind the scenes. Communication. We love communication. We love it. <laughs> Underrated. <laughs> Yeah, people need to communicate better. Books, it's really frustrating when they don't. Yes. (laughs) Miscommunication tropes are, like, one of my least favorites. In romance and the workplace, communication is key. This is true. This is true. And in teamwork and fighting monsters. Also very key. Oh, the the monsters completely. (laughs) 100%. Did you have anything else for chapter three? No, I did not. Chapter four. Chapter four. Um, chivalry ain't dead. And no. I, August was like, I love him so much. I always say that like every time. 
He's too perfect. We just like, come on. He's great. It's, he's he's such a good argument though for a chivalrous male romance interest in a YA yeah. book who does not who is brave with a vulnerability and is not an asshole like <laughs> so many YA books are like we have to make him an asshole in order for him to like be brave later on like no no August is a great character do you know he's who else vulnerable go he's good yeah go ahead no no who Kristoff from Frozen is oh another God. really good example of this. <laughs> oh, God. I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> what? Am I wrong? You're not wrong. But, like, even still, like, Kristoff is still kind of cheesy. I would say that, like, there's a difference between a vulnerable male character who is still brave and a vulnerable male character who's brave but also cheesy. Um, where I think authors, writers, actors generally have a hard time kind of, like, if they're going to go the vulnerable route, they end up making them cheesy at the same time. Yeah, and, I love the cheese, though, so it works <laughs> for me. I don't. So I'm like, that's why I love August so much, just because he's not cheesy. That's true. I mean, I love August, too. Like, don't get me wrong. I love them both equally, just in different ways. <laughs> I just don't do cheesy. <laughs> I know, I know. You're cooler than me. Fine. No, cheesy is a good thing. It's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, but also you're cooler than me. This is a well-known and established fact. <laughs> We're cool in our own respective ways. How about that? <laughs> nice try, Julia. <laughs> All right. Miss I'm a door. A house I own at... it. I'm good. Okay. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, um, back to the book. <laughs> yeah, the chivalry. Um, I just, the, the whole teamwork that they have, kind of what you were talking about the in chapter three, the teamwork that they have in this chapter, even just at the beginning, where it's like August is pulling them along, Kate's like turned backwards, throwing her flashlight around like a crazy person. Like, they're just so in sync without even having talk mm -hmm. about it there's just this like tacit understanding of like what needs to be done um which i really appreciate also tacit was one of skyla's vocab words for this week so when we were doing her homework earlier i was like oh trying God. to help her come up with sentences for one of them and tacit was one of them I can't with you <laughs> so i'm gonna just now start slipping in ninth grade english vocab words into conversation i can't I'm so excited. When, when's our spelling bee? <laughs> Never. I'm a horrible speller. Um, I, I love the idea of them having a song that's like a fingerprint, where it's something that's so uniquely theirs. I mean, there's only three of them, so, like, we don't actually know if this is the truth, but, like, I just love that concept and that idea and that it has to be played in just the right way for their soul to sort of, like, show through the song. Mm -hmm. It's very artistic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So pretty. And I just... Kate's so defensive in this chapter. Like, what... She's, like, mad that August 
says he can't hurt her because she is a clean soul. And I'm just like, why do you, why do you want him to hurt you? Be happy. He can't. Hurting people is not a badge. That's, no. She wants him to be the villain. He's not the villain. But I think she also is, like, a little pissed that she's not the villain herself. That, like, she hasn't gotten to that level to be considered bad. Why am I, why is my soul clean? (laughs) Yeah, like, what? Girl, that's a good thing. It's a weird thing to get defensive about. I just, I don't know. I also, like, just felt really bad for August in this chapter when he's, like, dealing with everything about his, like, family and just trying to think through you know, his whole scenario, talking through, like, why he wants to be human. He's just, he's so precious, and I hate that he feels like he has no one he can talk to. And it's almost, it's so close to them almost getting to the point of being able to be therapy for each other in this chapter, where they can, like, Mm -hmm. actually bond, because he really needs that, like, therapeutic outlet. Someone who will just listen and, like, not judge him, but then, of course, she's passed out in a pool of her own blood. And he doesn't actually get that, like, response that he's real and valid and okay that he needs. He just has to jump straight back into emergency mode. And I'm just like, oh, I want him to be validated. I think he needs it. That was such a, like, rom-com moment. The fact that she, like, passed out. <laughs> right when he's, like, telling his life story to her. <laughs> I normally, they're just asleep, but, oh. No, passed out in a pool of your own blood. It's also fine, I guess. It's the uh, the YA fantasy version of a rom com. It's a YA dystopian <laughs> version. True, true, true. Yeah, um, I do though. I really hate when someone hides a wound um, and they're just like talking to distract someone else and like get them away from like thinking about their wound or like noticing that something's wrong. I hate that trope and that, like, way of process. Because it's like, you're not actually being strong. You're just being an idiot. Stitch yourself up. Like, we need to get you guys on the same team. And you both need to be alive to be on the same team and to actually be able to move forward. So it just irritates me. But I'm glad we didn't have to end on Chapter 4. That would have been really I know. (laughs) Um, It's such a Kate thing to do, though. Like. She's still hiding her vulnerabilities. She still doesn't want to, like... She had that one moment at some point where we were reading where she was like, okay, maybe this was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But, um... It's, like... She, it, it probably... My guess is what we were talking about before is, like, she was probably running on adrenaline and didn't even, like... It registered, but it probably didn't register how deep it was, and then she doesn't want to, like, bring it up when they're having a deep conversation, doesn't want to, like, admit that she needs help. The moment she admits she needs help, like, verbally, (laughs) not passing out on a seat, um, will be a big step forward for her. I look forward to it. Well, yeah, and I think it's a big step forward in two, for two reasons, right? Like, it's, A, it's a big step forward for her personally because admitting she needs help is her realizing that it's okay to show vulnerability and weakness, but it's also a huge step in their relationship because it shows that she's trusting Mm -hmm. him enough with that vulnerability and that weakness. Very true. So, double character growth. Yes, 100%. (laughs) 
Um, what else do you have for chapter else four? For chapter four. Nothing. Nothing else. They were they were all pretty short chapters. Yeah. Um, what do you have for chapter five? Um, what did I have for chapter five? I. <laughs> There's just something about the way that that they're, like, how, I don't know. I felt like it was almost cute while not being cute at all, that he, they were, like, kind of coupled up together, right? And, like, mm-hmm. he's trying to pretend that they're a couple, and meanwhile, he's, like, trying to stop her from bleeding and, like, hiding the blood. Like, again, like, this is such a rom-com thing without actually being a rom-com. And he's like, he, she's like leaning into him more, and he's like, "What the heck do I do?" Um, I yes. just love that so much because it really like it feels like comedic relief, um, yeah. almost in a very dark way, um, which I really appreciate. They're uh, so awkward. They are so awkward, and it's such a good representation of teenagers, despite the setting that they're in. Yeah. I think she just writes teenagers so accurately. Mm-hmm. I mean, one is a monster, but... <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own personhood that. that he's dealing with. And, I mean, I think you can really use the monster classification as a metaphor for a lot of other stuff that he's working through. It's just stuff that Victoria Schwab isn't necessarily qualified to write about for, like, lived experience, because she doesn't have that lived experience. So I think putting it in the context of, like, him being a monster and then grappling with these large societal issues and, like, self-perception and self-worth is things that a lot of, you know, men of color, like, actually do grapple with. But it's in a more metaphorical sense, so you may still have people that can relate to it, but also it's not Mm -hmm. then offensive in the way that it's being portrayed. It's a fine balance backs up that whole paragraph when he's trying to explain like why he's jealous that she's human and he's not and he's kind of saying like it's very on a I guess not digging too deeply into it it's kind of like you have the cool kid who fits in or just like somebody normal and then you have somebody who like a teenager who doesn't feel normal who feels a bit bit like an outcast and feels like they're never going to fit in just like be a normal kid Mm -hmm. um you kind of have that where he was talking about like like you live life normally you don't think about your identity like this is just who you are versus me who's like blah 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 constantly questioning everything yeah and even when i spend all of this time doing everything to feel good enough i'm just constantly beaten down and told that i'm not yeah and dehumanized yeah yeah poor kid yes um okay are we on chapter we're on chapter five right did you have anything else for chapter five before i go into my um just okay i got a little bit anxious when Mm. the sales lady sold him his emergency bundle i'll call it yeah (laughs) because it's the sort of thing where i feel like maybe i've watched like one too many crime shows but like where it it's traceable like people will start asking questions like have there been any weird incidences like has somebody come in and bought something strange or like abnormal and that's the sort of thing where somebody would be like like the sales lady might be like "Hmm, it is kind of weird that this kid this teenager comes in and buys all of this like 
first aid stuff when he should have been taking his friend to a hospital and like now maybe the story isn't adding up and like that's when they can start tracing the kind of the route that they're taking um Mm -hmm. so that made me a little bit anxious i don't know if they'll follow that or if the sales lady even cares um a little bit worrying i like feel like i not i'm not gonna put it past victoria schwab to like have these little things hidden in there where like you feel like it's like a red herring but it's not (laughs) so i don't know everything everything i'm like taking note of now (laughs) um and then that very end of the chapter where she where for a moment he thinks that she has run away that just feels again so like rom commy where he, like for a minute he's like oh my god like she's left me <laughs> but no she just wants to find shelter <laughs> i can't just <laughs> three uh, chapters listen julia they're well on their way to falling in love they have to have clearly the tropes. it's Come really on. building up here <laughs> yeah what did you have um not a lot i mean i just i'm getting really I was getting really frustrated with Kate throughout the chapters because she's not she's just not being honest like which makes things more challenging to try to treat her um he can't help her if she's like lying about how she's feeling and like what's going on and it's so frustrating but I do appreciate that it is very like true to form on how some people act when they're injured like that's very normal people will either lash out or downplay and like She's doing both of those things. But I just, I hate watching it. Like, I hate watching people act out and attack the ones that are trying to help them because they want others to be in as much pain as they are. Like, it's not productive. It's not conducive to getting you better. Um, I get the impulse, but especially living with a teenager, it just, like, hits very raw that I'm just like, oh, no, don't do that. Kate, stop, please. That hurts me viscerally. Um, I also just didn't realize that you could buy suture kits at pharmacies. Like, who's doing all of these at-home stitches? I feel like I've seen, I don't know if I've seen full-on kits like that, but, like, definitely some pretty heavy-duty things. You can, it's, like, surprising what you can get. But, like, I wouldn't say it passed for an apocalyptic, well, not apocalyptic, but dystopian society where there are monsters running around to have something like that, like... I wouldn't put it past on the south side. It just surprises me on the north side. Yeah, true. Like, they have all of these facilities. They should just be able to go to a clinic. It's just, it's weird. Um, And I think to your point about, like, the pharmacy stuff, like, you know, the fear that, like, something's fishy and off, it's just, like, flashing through my head of every movie I've ever seen where you have all of these, like, suspicious pharmacy purchases Mm -hmm. and you're like what are you doing what are you doing with those things huh what do you need all that stuff for what are you doing but it kind of at least was like a little bit of a a leavening of the um anxiety when she stopped caring she's like there's a clinic down the street and then just kind of like tuned august out when he was like no it's okay i'll do it and she's She's probably like a stupid teenager (laughs) exactly (laughs) Um, and then I just really appreciated Kate's sarcasm at the end where she was like yeah I'm so excited (laughs) to get stitches woohoo she's been like cracking me up more and more I'm here for it I want sarcastic Kate this is my language sarcasm and I like it (laughs) 
I do, I do fully appreciate sarcastic Kate. I just hate when that sarcasm is hurting August's feelings. I know. But, like, how else are you going to kind of come to terms with the fact that this guy that you don't really fully trust is about to stitch you up and try to save your life? Fair. Yeah, sarcasm is about the way we'd both do it. So, makes sense. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's all I had pretty short for chapter five pop culture uh, our pop culture i didn't have too many oh i went psycho for my pop culture prepared. so you go you go first for chapter chapter three um i think i brought this up before but um the merlin episode where i think it's like season must be end of season four Maybe it's the beginning of a season, actually. It's either the end or the beginning. It's a two-part episode of BBC's Merlin, and the shadows are coming out, and the mm-hmm. only way that you can kind of fight them back is with light. Pretty sure I brought that up before, but that just, again, like, the way that the Corsi um, were so eerie and, like, like these shadows that were encroaching on them and then were immediately, obviously, <laughs> not with the violin, but with the flashlight kind of keeping them at bay. That reminded me a lot of... Um, Mm-hmm. The Merlin episode where these shadows keep kind of um, murdering everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, casually. Casual. Um, and then the way, again, I think we brought this up, the Dementors in Harry Potter still sucking. The way that Kate was talking about, like, her soul kind of rising to the surface, mm-hmm. um, a strange pale light. A silver and smoke pulsing faintly in time with her heart. It's exactly for a Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very, very. It's it's very weird to think about too, like the way that it's described in here. Like, like there's my soul, <laughs> just floating you know. around in there. At least you we know. know we have one. I feel like I'd pass out, but it's okay. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And I think that's all I had for this chapter. What did you have? Okay. This is going to be a doozy, so just be patient with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> having the secret, like, river area in the... I know they're not quite abandoned tunnels, but this, like, secret river that they're like, ooh, we can use this to escape. And, like, you know, having having that where no one else goes and no one's quite sure why it's there, like, the rationale mm. behind it. Reminds me of Throne of Glass, actually, because in the palace that Selena stays in, there's, like, a secret passageway coming out of her room um, that leads down to this, like, tomb thing, and there's, like, three passageways. So one leads, I don't remember, like, to a dead end. One leads to this tomb where she talks to the ghost of the dead queen, and then the middle one leads to a secret river exit where she can, like, use that to escape the kingdom (laughs) and the castle. So it just reminded me of that. Um... I still can't get over how much, like, the Corsai's whispering reminds me of the Basilisk from Harry mm, Potter. Yeah. I hate it so much. It <laughs> makes me cringe every time. Uh, where they were talking about the rumors about the Corsai, saying that the Corsai will, like, tell you secrets that you, like, really want to know the answers to, and then... Um, you're going to lose them anyways because they're going to kill you instantly. It reminds me of this creature in Avatar called the Surreal. It's this, like, super dangerous creature, 
but like if you are able to like ensnare it and catch it it has to answer a truth and like answer questions for you while you have it caught but if it gets out while you're still talking to it it's 100 percent gonna fuck you up and murder you so it's like knowing the truth won't even matter though of course the serial and the main character fair are like bffs so he's constantly helping her <laughs> so dumb. uh it's one of my favorite characters the monsters are my favorite characters in avatar um and then the idea this one's a little far-fetched but bear with me here the idea of like where she was like feeling like okay the Corsair are coming, the Corsair are coming, and, like, feeling kind of, like, that claustrophobic feeling of them crowding all around, mm-hmm. and then they get into the subway car and everything's just, like, stopped. Um, it reminds me a lot of the song Quiet from the Matilda musical that was on Broadway. I don't know if you ever listened to the soundtrack for that. Yeah. But there's, you've seen the movie Matilda, right? Yeah, of course I have. Okay, I think I am. sure. Well, I'm just making sure. Um, it's an amazing movie. But, you know, like, she, her telekinesis comes out when everything's just, like, getting so loud and obnoxious and crazy mm-hmm. around her. And then it'll, like, she'll act out to make everything calm again. So there's this song in the musical where that's happening and, like, everyone's shouting and she, Matilda's getting really worked up, worked up, worked up. And then everything just stops. Like, all the music just stops and she, everything gets quiet. And then she sings about, like being able to find that moment of calm through all of the noise um and how her like kind of talks through how her powers work and so just like it specifically reminded me of that song and like the crescendo and then the cut that happens in the song it's really good you should listen to it it's a pretty good song (laughs) um then (laughs) the idea of this like from the music the way she describes it how it's kind of like a blade but it's not quite a blade cutting through the shadows uh reminds me of kingdom hearts because they use a key to like fight but it can like throw sort of like blades of light out at at the different shadow creatures that are running around the darklings darkness whatever it's called in the game um but or the heartless maybe and so like they're constantly trying to fight these little shadow creatures that are all black and so they remind me of course i anyways but they're fighting them with, like, not a sword. Something else that has the secret power to unlock it. Like, kind of what the, the music's doing here. Um, and then this one's far-fetched, but I don't know why it came in my head. The way she described the lights that were emanating from the music kind of reminded me of that alien light show from the third Xenon movie. <laughs> what? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I guess I can kind of see it. It's like in the Aurora Borealis, but like not where it's, um, it has like a mind of its own and it can like communicate, Mm -hmm. but only through the movement of the light. And that's like what his music is doing. Interesting. I don't know. After she was uh, inspired by Xenon. My brain does weird things. I can't. Uh, And then this is like, I mean, this is a fairy tale, so it's not even really um, a pop culture reference. But uh, August is 100% the Pied Piper in this chapter, where she's just, like, following along with the music and getting taken further and further from the world she knows. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, That's all I had for chapter three. (laughs) I love it. I love the Pied Piper. (laughs) And Xenon. I don't know. Such a good combo. 
what about chapter four? What did I have for chapter four? Um, oh, I had, um, I'm trying to figure out, okay, I wrote, <laughs> I highlighted the sentence, August kept his eyes ahead and Kate slashed with the flashlight trying to keep them back. Oh, this was the Merlin reference again. I was like, why do I have this highlighted as the pop culture reference? What was the pop culture reference? It's Merlin again. Okay, ignore me, ignore me. Um, oh, and I have another Merlin reference. I'm doing a rewatch of Merlin with my parents, so. Love it. Um, I have at the end of the chapter where she passes out and he's like alerted to this because she's quiet and he goes, what, no quip? Remind me so many times of like Merlin and Arthur where Merlin, I think there's a specific time I'm thinking of where Merlin like passes out um, or is like trying, like Arthur's trying to keep him awake or it might be mm-hmm. the other way around. I feel like it's happened more than once. Um, yeah, I was going to say that sounds like and, a common occurrence yeah. for those two. <laughs> And, like, one of them is talking and then the other one doesn't answer and they have to, like, look behind and be like, like, why aren't you giving me a sassy response? (laughs) It's that dynamic again. Uh, Love it. I love that dynamic so much. We're, like... Same. Especially for these two, we're, like, for August and Kate, where they haven't known each other for very long, but they just know that they're going to be sassy with each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or at least Kate is. Yeah. Um, If you just, like... This is it's these little ways of communicating um, and knowing how the other person is gonna kind of respond, which I love. Yeah, definitely. Um, that remind me a lot of that. Um, and then when the hands um, disappear, the corsi disappear when the subway door shuts. Mm-hmm. Was very movie Howl's Moving Castle, um, where. I think Howell is dropping with the bomb and ends up, and the bomb is fine, doesn't detonate. Um, and so he's escorting her back inside the house. But there's these creatures um, that are coming at them. And as soon as they get inside the house and close the door, the creatures disperse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, but you see the hands like coming through the doors. And as soon as they're inside and safe, they disappear. That reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, what did you have? Uh, so, first one's kind of a stretch, but I, again, I don't know why these things trigger in my brain, they just do. They're, like, whole team-up moment, like, when they're fighting the Corsi and before they get into the subway cart, reminded me so much of Shrek and Fiona. What? Like, speci- I don't know. <laughs> I can't with you. I don't know, but I feel like I was just waiting for Kate to, like, go crazy with her flashlight and have that whole, like, karate sequence that Princess Fiona has in slow-mo where she, like, beats up all of the guards and, like, dropkicks felonious. Um, I was waiting for Kate to do that, and then I was kind of bummed that it, like, never actually happened. Oh, my God. I don't know. You're the only one I know who could make a Shrek reference. (laughs) Sad thing is, I'm pretty sure this is not my first Shrek reference on the podcast. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh, I think it's, like, the second for this book, actually. I'm pretty sure it happened earlier. 
I was like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> um, I, so going back to the hands, like what you were talking about, I just had a different one where August, like when he touched the Corsai's hand or the Corsai touched him, um, it like burned. That contact burned reminded mm-hmm. me so much of Harry and Coral. Like, oh specifically God, yeah. in the movie, yeah. where he, like, touches and his face starts melting off, but it, like, burns. It causes all this pain. So, uh, I just thought that was really interesting. And then, when he was talking about going dark and saying that, like, not all of him comes back. Like, every time there's, like, a little piece that's missing. And how Leo has burned all of his humanity away by going dark so many times. It reminded me of, um... The rings that the humans wear in the Vampire Diaries, so that, like, Jeremy and Alaric mm-hmm. both wear, where it brings them back to life, but if they keep using it continuously, less and less of them comes back, and they eventually kind of go all, like, crazy psycho um, from dying too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, and you can see that they're, like, losing their humanity because part of their humanity is getting trapped on the other side, like, behind the veil. Um, so I just thought that that was really interesting. And it's just, like, a really interesting commentary on, like, coming back to life and how this is August's version of that and how more and more of your soul gets lost every time. Um, because that happens a lot whenever you have rebirths or, you know, real lives in, in fantasy mm-hmm. stories. Uh, and then the way that he describes sort of, like, being famished and then, like, happening across the fight and, like, smelling the blood and it making him realize that something bad was happening and, like, just losing his shit. It reminds me of when Bella first starts hunting in Breaking Dawn and she smells those hunters. I mean, th- she's able to pull herself back. August wasn't. But, like, that unending hunger and like trying to process it was very similar in description to me that's a good one yeah so from the worst one ever shrek and fiona to a pretty decent twilight reference i'm doing great today that's so good i love it (laughs) i love the variety (laughs) what do you have for chapter five um i think i have one but it's a major one Mm um and um actually well it's one and a half i forgot about this one but okay so my major one was 10 things i hate about you um yeah the it's like it's kind of two parts right Mm -hmm. so the first part that i thought about this was um where he or she's like um I don't remember what what exactly she says but she's like um you're a terrible monster or something mm-hmm. that reminded me so much of when uh, why am I blanking on her name right now describe and I'll tell you uh what's her name who plays across from Heath Ledger cat cat Julia Ch- when Julia Stiles Julia Julia Child Julia Child <laughs> Julia Stiles, sorry. What's but Heath, Ledger's, Heath Ledger's character? Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, time for a rewatch. I was literally about to say Duke Orsino, and I was like, wrong Shakespeare reenact. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> things I hate about you, cast. Let's see. Verona. Uh, Verona. Yeah. 
Verona. So, um, anyway, <laughs> so when Kat is trying so hard, I think she's, like, drunk at the party, and she's trying so hard to find reasons to dislike him, and he's, like, just trying to take care of her. <laughs> and she's, like, like, oh like why are you just cooperating with my vision of you essentially like that reminds me so much of that dynamic and then at the end where he lets go of her for like a second and then finds her dancing on the table or maybe it's like a little bit after that too um and she he just keeps losing her (laughs) that reminds me of when um kate runs away yeah love it their whole dynamic is so like it's funny because Patrick Verona is not an August at all. No. (laughs) He kind of turns into an August later on. A Um, little bit. But their dynamic is exactly like those two. The Taming of the Shrew kind of. Yeah, yeah, Kate's definitely given off the Shrew vibes. A hundred percent. I love it so much. So good. (laughs) She probably Um, definitely listens to angry, like, pop metal fem rock, so. Yes. Oh, yes. She would be a cat. Like, anti-everything, finding stuff to kind of argue about. I love Mm -hmm. it. So good. Um, And then my other kind of half one was uh, when they're exiting the subway and kind of just trying to blend in. Um, Mm -hmm. For some reason, like, the image in my mind that popped up was when um, in the Captain Marvel movie uh, where she's first on Earth. Um, and she, yeah, she's trying to run away from the what's his name or Fury. Yeah, well, Fury and the Scrolls. Um, one of the same. She, yeah, and she loses them in the subway. That that was the image in my mind mm, um, when mm-hmm. the, when they were trying to just blend in. Yeah, what did you have? Uh, so August's meltdown was very much like Edward from Twilight, where he's, like, debating his soul and his need to be good and, like, how he needs to try to earn his soul back and if he even has one and, like, what he can do to preserve whatever is left of it. Like, it's very much, like, Edward's melodrama in Twilight when he has his talks with, uh... Carlisle, and then Carlisle tries to explain to Belle, and she's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He's such a good person. What are you talking that's how I feel about August um and then this one's like not even really pop culture but it's just like culture there's this girl that I follow on TikTok who does like a series of TikToks where she'll kind of like flip back and forth through the inverted filter and like be two sides of a conversation where it's just two people bashing each other for, like, the tropes that they like and, like, picking apart their personalities based on their tropes. So it's like, oh, you, like, found family? That's because your family never loved you and you need to find Oh, my God. (laughs) And it's, like, savage. And their whole, like, little argument where they're calling each other out on, like, August just being a monster and him not having a family. And he's like, you just don't like that I call him dad because your dad doesn't love you. It reminded me so much of that TikTok series. Oh, so fun. Horrible, but so fun. Um, And then the electricity crackling back on in the subway car after, like, being out reminded me a lot of One Last Stop, where, like, the subway would just shut down and, like, mm-hmm. crackle back on, and then Jane would be gone, and August would be, like, <laughs> would be, like, wait, what? What's going on? 
with the subway. So August is like Kate and Jane is like August. It's just as confusing as going from, it's just as confusing as going from Gilmore Girls to Supernatural (laughs) and having Dean be Sam and then another Dean. It was very confusing for me. And then I uh, hate at-home stitches of any kind. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of when the kid gets hurt in Teen Wolf and then goes to a vet (laughs) to tie him up and the vet's like, I do animals. And they're like, it's not that different, right? Uh, and the last one is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Suspicious store purchases. Okay. He's the king of them. Going into a hardware store and buying rope, tape, and zip ties. And then trying to not get her to guess what he's buying them for. He does that? Why doesn't he just buy them online? Oh, because he's trying to feel her out and see if she's into BDSM. So he goes to her hardware store that she works at and asks her to take her she works at a hardware store yeah in vancouver oh and uh it's just like a college job like she works there on the side oh okay um and so she like takes him around he's like okay i need rope i need this thickness i need zip ties and then she's like what kind of diy project are you doing and he just sits there and chuckles and he's like diy Oh my god. But he's trying to get her to guess because he wants to like use all of them on her and she's so clueless. Hey, Jesus, it's a bad book. We've talked about this. I can't help it that it's it lives in my brain rent free. I can't get it out. I've tried. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, that's all I had. I love it. I love the range in this episode. Shrek. Fifty Shades of Gay, Grey, it's a Zeno. <laughs> a little bit of Taming of the Shrews for some Shakespeare. <laughs> Pied Piper, we hit fairy tales, we hit Shakespeare, we hit smut. We got all of them. Movies, we got the D-coms. classics, you know, Twilight. Harry Potter. <laughs> Love it. Oh. Some for everybody. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. Alright, should we do MVPs? I think it's your turn to go first. Okay, well, I'm claiming August. <laughs> That's fair. Because I, I mean, I could have given it to, to you, but um, I, the way that um, Kate is explaining him having this, like, confidence in himself, like, mm-hmm. when he's playing and holding back the corsi, uh, I love that for him, like, that's what I want to see is my little vulnerable, vulnerable boy being confident um, and staying calm in that situation yeah. where that is not his typical situation where he would be playing the violin, right? Like, normally he's faced with maybe one or two people that he has to take the souls from mm-hmm. um, so that he can feed. This is like a shadowed enemy that he really does not get along with at right. all. And has to bring not only himself, but this other person that he really doesn't know to safety. And throughout all of that, he remains calm up until his last string almost breaks. Mm -hmm. Um, In which case, he runs and helps find shelter, helps to take care of her. He also, like, shows her his his vulnerabilities, like, verbally, which Mm -hmm. I think is a huge thing. Because, again, they really don't know each other. It's true. Like, we know them, but they don't know each other. Yeah. Um, 
Which I think is easy to forget because we're hearing both of their sides of the stories. Um, but, like, his, like, worry for her at the end where he goes to, like, get the stitches and he doesn't even think twice about giving her stitches. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know that his he has someone who's a surgeon so he can kind of get Mimic stuff from it. him yeah. but like let's be honest he's still like a kid <laughs> does he know that much <laughs> but i think he does right because like a couple of chapters ago he was holding down that one guy in the ftf so henry could stitch him up he's been in the sort yeah, of like it's medic still a sense big before surgical kind of thing to do stitches on someone it is <laughs> who knows maybe august has a secret uh needlework hobby that we just haven't spent a lot of time on. I would love that for him. I would adore that for him, actually. <laughs> Me too. He's so good. Uh, I support yeah, this choice. Yeah, so. How about you? Well, I think it will not be a surprise to you that I cannot pick Kate because she pissed me off so much in these chapters. So I'm going really with She did not the- do much, let's be honest. <laughs> She hid her wounds, she grumbled, she sassed, she ran away a little bit, and just was bitching about everything, and just being a brat. Like, I I appreciate her journey, and the work that she needs to still do, and the work that she's already done, and how difficult all of this is for her. I appreciate all of that, but, I mean, it's just like The Cruel Prince. I didn't like Jude for a very long time, right? Like, and her and Jude are one and the same. That's very true. But I loved Cardin and all of his horribleness, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so my MVP is going to the unnamed pharmacist. Mm, not mm-hmm. the subway car? Not, not, I'm not <laughs> desperate enough to do inanimate objects. I would have given it to the subway car. That's I mean, fair. think about it. It is, it's not a person, but it did give them shelter. And Most valuable it them, prop. It brought them to a station where they could go to a pharmacy. Most valuable prop. I will give it most valuable okay. prop. But since we're doing most valuable person, <laughs> um, I cannot give it to the subway <laughs> car. Uh, and also because the subway car had cameras, so it kind of screwed them over in the end, too. That is true. But the pharmacist, you know, like, uh, she struck a really good balance for me. Like, she was very no-nonsense, did the checkout, took care of her customer. When she noticed what he was buying, she was worried someone was hurt. So she gave a suggestion and clear directions on how to help resolve that in a health and healthy way that, you know, involved a real doctor. But then when he was like, can't do that, she was like, fair enough, not my business, and just kind of, like, moved on with her life. It's like she did what she needed to do. Yeah, exactly. She did what she needed to do to, you know, help the customer and provide some sort of emotional support and guidance. And when it was no longer wanted, she set her own boundary and moved on with her life. And I respect that. Okay. I love it. I just can't. I can't give it to Kate. I can't do it. She really didn't do anything. She did nothing. You know what? It's honestly, it's amazing that I've given her MVPs twice in this book already. 
So. I feel like I've given it to her more than you have. Oh, yeah. You've given it to yeah. her four times. I've given it to her Yeah, twice. I'm much more forgiving than you are. Yeah. <laughs> I have a strong inkling, though, that August is going to win our MVP for this book series. Oh, yeah. No, no, stop. Easily. We, we love him so much. I mean, he is. he has been the most consistent character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of this stuff would have happened and gotten resolved without him. Love our little baby boy. Uh, but yeah, so mine's mine's the pharmacist. What about your wine rating, Julia? All right. So I am kind of, it's kind of a nod to August and kind of, it's sort of like a Bordeaux blend, not from Bordeaux, but the same grapes. They are mm. called Bordeaux blends from California, from mm. Napa Valley specifically. Okay. Where they're just, they shine just as brightly because the weather is still good for them to uh, flourish. Yep. But just made in a new world style. Kind of like August in a very different setting from what he's used to. Still finding his footing, still being confident enough to bring himself out. Still being bold, still being confident in the same way that a Bordeaux grape is. Or a Bordeaux blend. Um, so I would say it's a 9 out of 10. Bordeaux blend from California. With no Very help from drinkable. Kate. <laughs> yeah. No help from Kate. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> She's knocking <laughs> off that one star. <laughs> she is. She really is. This is all for August, let's be honest. Those all of those points are August. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe Kate a little bit for the sales lady. A little bit. She gave a little bit too much sun one day and just made that one harvest. Just a little bit off. A little just bit off. A little bit off. <laughs> oh god what's your Love whining it. rating um they're very whiny in oh, these yes. chapters especially one person yeah i mean like kate hides it but then like grumbles anyways and just like lashes out in pain and angst mm-hmm. throughout the chapters um and August, too, like, his is a lot more introverted of an angst, but he has a lot of angst. He's going through his existential crises again in these chapters of, like, what is personhood for me? And can I classify myself as this? And why don't people love me? And, like, I can't trust my family, but I miss my family. He just spirals, like, out of control in his head. And he still manages to get everything done. And, you know, he's very with it and, like, moving on to the next thing. But his head is a mess in these chapters, and Kate's just all over the place making bad teenage decisions. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go pretty high. Eight out of ten. I agree for these chapters. It's just I absolutely agree. Very <laughs> angsty, and I will say most of it, especially Kate's, was extremely unnecessary. <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. For this week. I'm oh excited God. to keep reading. There's so much happening right now. I know. It's going to be a quick... It's, it's Again, it's like The Cruel Prince. It's going to be, like, very quick to the end. Like, you're just going to want to, like, slide through it. Um, good thing we're recording again in a few days. Well, I also read the first sentence of the next chapter because I didn't realize where I was. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, we're going that route, are we? <laughs> So uh, I'm excited to keep reading. (laughs) 
so fun. <laughs> Love it. Um, but yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll get through the, the next couple of chapters pretty quickly, and we're excited to keep talking about it with all of you. Thanks so I'm much. I'm excited to keep reading. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening with uh, listening this week and bearing with us being patient as we've tried to figure out our schedule and make all of this work with all of these hiccups we've had. Um, But you can follow us on social media for more information on the books that we're reading or just like what's going on in life um, at Unnecessary Angst Pod on Facebook and Instagram and at UnAngstPod on Twitter. And you can also email us at UnnecessaryAngstPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.